This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. At this point in time, you are going to hear us plug the conference just because we are within a month. And yep. so I don't, want to, I don't want to be a doomsday person, but... Your time's running out. The time is drawing near, and some of you, if we can be frank, are well, not ready. You're not ready for you're the not, free gift that's being offered uh, yes, at a conference yes, of this yes. sort. I mean, this is a this is a free opportunity to hear a wonderful uh, discussion about the God who has made a covenant with us and promises us so much. We'll make the same request of you, dear listener, that we make of the Lord Jesus. Do not tarry. <laughs> Register quickly. <laughs> and we are talking about gospel fluency, and I'm going to ask the question today, what must we do? And before we get to that with gospel fluency, you listener, what must you do? <laughs> to register for If yeah. you have not registered for the conference, you should repent and believe. <laughs> <laughs> You should go to ReformationBoise.com and sign up, and you I do not believe you will be disappointed. I think you will realize that this is a, a wonderful time of, of fellowship, of worship, of learning, opportunity to receive free gifts and to be able to have access to wonderful resources. It's a wonderful time to just meet new people and realize uh, God's work in the, in the valley and celebrate the God that we have opportunity to serve. So we think there are a ton of great reasons to be there. We understand, actually. If you, you aren't able to make it, you don't have to feel any false guilt. But you will be missed. But if you do have an opportunity to join us, please go to ReformationBoise.com for the conference on September 22nd and 23rd. I already alluded to the fact that we're talking about gospel fluency. We've been answering some questions about just rehearsing the gospel. Who is Jesus? What has Jesus done? And now the question, what must we do? And I kind of already let the cat out of the bag. But what must we do in response to the gospel? Yeah, repentance and faith, uh, or repent and believe the, uh, the gospel. This is actually the first words recorded in the gospel of Mark of Jesus are repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the, the moment in which God has chosen to reveal the Messiah has come and his kingdom has arrived. And so the, the, the right response is to uh, have a change of mind about who God is around here and, and turn and reject our disobedience to God's word, his will, and his way. And turn in faith and, and trust Jesus as, as King of our life, putting our faith and trust in Christ, uh, in His identity, which is why we started there, and His work, which is what we just reviewed the last two episodes, and begin to follow Him as Lord and Master of our life. If you go through the Gospel of John, what you'll find is that throughout the Gospel, the, the key word is believe. Mm -hmm. And it's really working this idea of, okay, this is who Jesus is. And John is the gospel that gives us the I am statements, Jesus declaring who he is. 
And then the response, what do I do with this? And the idea is that, or the, the call of the gospel is believe, believe, believe. This is the opening of the gospel of Mark. It's, and Repent it's and not, believe. And it's not mere assent to certain truths. I mean, we can, we can be demonstrated a truth about who God is, who Jesus is, and we assent to it, but we never actually trust in it. We never place our trust in it. We always are, you know, we're always wanting to prepare ourselves to be worthy of God, or maybe we're even just assent to this and we'll say, oh, sometime later. But um, this matter of trust is actually putting all of our confidence, all of our hope, everything in the very thing that we're assenting to. So there are people that grasp God and Jesus with their mind, but never with their heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as James says, you know, even the demons believe in God and shudder. Yeah. And the demons the know exactly part. who yeah. Jesus is. And, and uh, but yeah, that, that trust and the faith in him, you know, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he was, people asked him, you know, what shall we do that we, that we may do the work of God? You know, that question is kind of a loaded question of, Okay, what do we basically? What yeah. do we need to be doing yeah, to be what saved? Work, what works what, can what, we do? What can we do? And Jesus's response is he changes it from plural to singular. He says, "This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom mm-hmm. He has sent." And so this is the really the, the the foundation of believing, trusting in faith in Jesus Christ. And if we truly believe in Jesus Christ and His person and work. Then what we say, then the the tenor of our heart then is to say that I cannot hold on to that which is an anathema to him that goes against his very character, and so then that is why we we reject sin, we have godly sorrow for that sin, we turn away from sin. Now that doesn't mean that we don't continue to sin, but what it means is that we've said. That's no longer where I'm going to seek my my joy. That's no longer where I'm going to seek my comfort. That's no longer where I'm going to find fulfillment Mm -hmm. because now I trust in another. Mm -hmm. I trust in Jesus Christ, and I'm going to now love what he loves because he's created a new nature Mm -hmm. within me, and I'm going to hate what he hates. And what he hates is sin because it's the antithesis to his holy character. Yeah, re- repentance is basically having the mind of Christ about the very things that mm-hmm. seeing our sin as 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 sinful as God sees it, mm-hmm. and having the same mind about our iniquities, the sin that we commit, having the same mind about that. You know, a lot a lot of times we we get this idea that God just kind of winks at sin, that He ignores it. I mean, we we do this with our own children. That's what, the funny thing is, is that. We see them being uh, misbehaving. You know, they're little guys. You know, they're, you know, they may be trying to sneak a toy under their shirt when you told them to leave it in their room, and we we laugh with our spouses about that. But God doesn't laugh at our sin, mm-hmm. and we need to see our <laughs> sin and our misbehavior in the same way God does, and that's what brings us to true repentance. Mm-hmm. And we talked in more detail about repentance when we went through that that series on reconciliation and mm-hmm. and. Um, I just just to recap a little bit of it. It's it's important to remember, although sorrow is definitely a part of repentance and must be there, we tend to kind of equate repenting with saying "I'm sorry." You know, it's almost like, "Well, I'm I'm sorry I did that," and and then someone may still be mad, like, "Well, I said I'm sorry." I was like, well, that's not repentance. Like a repentance is a complete change. It, it's, it's a, a change. Reversal, it's a reversal. Yeah. We get. 
our word uh, metamorphosis, uh, where a caterpillar turns into a butterfly from this Greek word that's translated as repent. And uh, that's the imagery here. It's a complete change, a turning around towards Christ away from our sin. And with faith and repentance also comes baptism. Now, we have to make a, a little clarification. With baptism, what we're doing and what we're saying is that we are now I, I identifying with the church of God, the people of God. And that baptism is a public picture of the work of Christ on behalf of his people. Mm-hmm. A dying to, to sin and coming alive in Christ, a washing of God's people, of being included in Christ. And so if somebody has not been baptized as an infant, and we would say that infants would be baptized because God has made a promise to believers and their children, that God has set the children of believers apart, has declared them holy. This is 1 Corinthians 7. And when we baptize our children, what we're saying is our amen to what God has already declared. God has declared that the children of believers have been set apart have been declared to be holy, which just means that they're under the protective care of the church, that they've been numbered among God's people, that they have gospel promises, that they're underneath the all of what the Old Testament Israel was under. They're, they're, they're the people within the covenant. They're the people of the promise. They're the people that have God's call upon their lives. Mm-hmm. And then when that child comes to faith and repentance – then what had been symbolized becomes a reality. Right. Ian Hamilton, who we're going to have as a speaker next year, talks about baptism as the priority of grace uh, over faith. Particularly when we're baptizing our children, we're seeing the grace of God at work. You know, we love him because he first loved us. And this, you know, baptism is that symbol of his promise and his love, which we are to respond to. Um, and and receive. Yeah, baptism we, doesn't become an offering that we give back to God in gratitude. Rather, it's a gift from Him that we get to receive as a sign of His covenant promises and grace to us. And, yeah, in the in the, in the saying, and it, it's a sign that points to the spiritual reality of what God has done. It, you know, the the water baptism itself doesn't do these things, but is the outward sign of what God has promised. And so when somebody that grew up outside of the church comes to saving faith, mm-hmm. then the appropriate thing to do is, is to, to have a baptism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because what they're saying is, I want to identify with, with the God of, of covenant, and I, I want to be part of his people, yep. and I want to have as this gracious gift, this outward sign that God condescend to give to, to say, this is what is true of you. Because you're in Christ. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sign. The sign is not the thing. It's pointing to the thing. Yeah, we want to see the church grow by conversion and covenant. Right. Yep. So two rooms we want full in all of our churches, the new believers class and the nursery. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this all then leads to the last question, what, what happens to us? So who is Jesus? What has he done? What must we do? And then what happens to us? What's true of us? Man, we are forgiven. We are cleansed of our sins. We begin a, a, a transformation from the inside out as the Holy Spirit is sent and regenerates us, revealing faith and repentance to us. And we just begin this this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, growing in his character and his conduct. 
Yeah, because we're counted righteous in Christ, uh, we have fellowship with him. And this uh, matter of forgiveness of sins and justification is not just good news in that sense because it's removed our punishment, but it also is more than just the rescue from damnation. Jesus becomes the goal of our salvation. He's satisfying because um, in him are the unsearchable riches of Christ, which we're going to enjoy forever. When, and we've God has promised that if we are in Christ, we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, Russ, you mentioned you know he's always been there, always been working, but kind of as a, as you say, kind of dripping in the sense that now he's been pulled that poured out in full. And Jesus actually told his disciples, you know, they're lamenting the idea of him leaving, but he said, no, it, it's good that I leave because if I don't leave, then the Helper won't come, and so he will send the Helper. And we have been given this gift in full. I, I like that language of the forever family of God. We've been adopted into his family. This adoption is one of the benefits we have. Not only that are we declared righteous, but we are invited in to be a, partake and be a part of that family. You know, the judge is not, ju- it's not just simply the judge. He's now our father. Jesus calls us brothers. We're given a mission and a purpose to carry out the work of the kingdom, to make disciples, to live in obedience to Christ as well. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about that, that we are ambassadors for Christ, and we do so both in our life and with our testimony that we go and tell. The resurrection account in Matthew 28 says, come and see, and then go and tell. And that's really just the storyline of what it means to embrace the gospel. We come and see the wonder and beauty and glory of the person and work of Christ, and then we go and tell. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow.